I just read the most wonderful story about something called a podcast. You know, I bet my friends Beth and Greg could tell me all about it in their cast member chat. Are you ready to listen to it? Maybe even Papa will join us. Guys, don't freak out, but Belle listens to our podcast. <gasps> yes. Oh my God. I'm so honored. I'm so honored. <laughs> um, what are we doing? Anyways, who am I? Welcome. I'm. This is That Park Life Podcast. My name is Beth, and I'm here with my bro. Your bro, Greg, who isn't nearly as uh, starstruck and flustered as a Belle appearance uh, as you mm. are. More on, more on that later as we talk to more our guest mm. in this episode. Um, I want to start out by letting everyone know not to forget about our trivia night. It's coming up this week. Yes. So there are a few spots left, and I do mean a few, if you'd like to win a prize from the Mouselets Etsy shop. By the way, they have a lot of awesome mm-hmm. things, but what they're uh, giving away for our trivia night is one of their Citizens of Hollywood pins, which are so cool because you can't get them anywhere yep. else that I'm aware of anyway. And we're also giving away an official... Um, I'm going to show it to Beth in our camera here. It is a Tower of Terror, old school, black and white, Mickey and Ooh, Minnie pin. like that. Of course, it's an, it's an official nice. Disney Parks collection, pin trading pin, mm-hmm. uh, among some other things. We got real prizes here, y'all. Real prizes. Some real prizes. So it was my anniversary with my wife, Nicole, uh, last week, yeah. and we decided to celebrate. Guess where we celebrated? It was your Disney 20, World. Your 20... 20- 25th anniversary? No, I am not that old. How dare you? It was our sixth <laughs> year wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. And we started out by going to Chef Mickey. So I thought I would take an mm-hmm. opportunity to talk a little bit about my character dining experience because things are different. A little modified character dining experience yeah. right now at some of the resorts or you know restaurants across property. And um, we've done a lot of Disney character dining in the past, you know, pre-pandemic. Nicole loves mm-hmm. the characters, and I would talk about that all the time. She's what I call the character whisperer. She just knows how to interact with them, especially the fur characters. So I want to mention a few things that uh, we experienced while we were there. So we went to Chef Mickey at the Contemporary, and uh, used to be a buffet. It is now a family style, so it's still all you care to enjoy. Oh. And okay. um, sometimes I care to enjoy it in the restaurant, and sometimes I care to enjoy it at home. So I always bring my own Tupperware that's containers, right. and I brought some home because that's how I roll. You're like, yeah, can you just fill my refill my plate? Oh, you know what? I'm stuffed. Can I get a goodie bag? And that's how you do that. (laughs) And that's how you do that. Uh, By the way, for anyone who can see this, yes, I am wearing a 2015 Osborne Lights shirt because I feel like it's Christmas today. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. So uh, let's talk a little bit about my experience. We um, went for breakfast, obviously. It is breakfast. Although right now they're offering breakfast up through 1.30 p.m. So it kind of blends into a brunch, if you will. Wow. And um, so the restaurant is obviously spread out a little bit more. The tables, there are obviously, you know, fewer tables in the different rooms for anyone who is familiar with Chef Mickey. Maybe you've just seen it as you pass by on the monorail. But what's different now is you get seated, you know, a server comes over and kind of tells you the menu and whatnot. And in our particular case, the characters were coming out right as we got seated. So they go room to room. And at first it was three characters followed by two with maybe five minutes in between. And it's just different because you know that they can't come up to you and they know they can't come right. all the way up to you. Um, there's no physical interaction. There's no signing of autographs. Um, but there are still opportunities for photos. And an announcement comes on before the characters come out. And it's it's a spiel. It's in character, so to speak, letting you know that yeah. the friends are take, our friends are taking a break from the kitchen and they're coming out to greet everybody. And as a reminder, you know, they're, they're you know, please don't get out of your seat. They'll be able to take photos from a distance, right. that kind of thing. So... You know, if you're really used to them coming up to you, basically like pretending to eat your food sometimes, which we found before at, <laughs> at a character dining thing, um, it's a little bit different. But I'll tell you, we had a great time with it. And I think with with most character interactions, it's really what you put into it and um, like how you interact with the characters that I think will get you the most out of it. And later on with our yeah. guest, we'll ask our guest for some advice for how to interact with characters. So what we did was we would ask to take a selfie and they would pose behind you. So you kind of like turn a little bit and then, you know, Donald will do his thing where he puts his arms up and you take a photo and whatnot. And obviously, speaking of Donald, you know Nicole and Donald 
had a moment. I posted it on my mm. story at the Disney Greg. And it's just, they, they have their love fest where she just blows kisses and draws hearts. And he does the same thing. And mm-hmm. they were going at it. And it's to the point where other people in the room were watching in a good way. Like we were creating entertainment for other people, <laughs> basically. And that's really what it is. So like if, you know, when, and we were watching Donald go to other tables and they were just waving and smiling. And I'll tell you, I think we had the best time in that room. And I think it's because we were just all about like letting them know. And it's something simple. Like I remember when Mickey came over, we said something like, we're here to see you, Mickey. It's our anniversary today. And we wanted to make sure we celebrated with you. And then Mickey goes like crazy because he's excited that we're excited to see him. So kind of saying things like that, I think are always helpful. And um, I know I mentioned that you aren't able to get autographs from from the characters. So Mm -hmm. as you leave, they gave us this little card that has all the mo- all the characters riding in the monorail, like it's a drawing of it. And then when you flip it around, it has all their signatures already on it. So you still oh, get I the like signatures that. from the characters. Yeah. And it's much quicker and just nice. Yeah. You know what my favorite time. part of that story was? What? Um, the fact that you didn't have to get out of your seat. Like you don't have you didn't have to even walk yes. over to the buffet. The buffet comes to you now. Yes. And that's the thing. So, you know, I am particular with breakfast foods. By the way, just like every other dining experience or breakfast, it's a lot of carbs. You're gonna carbo load during this meal. Because they, yeah. they start out with donut holes with an icing that you pour on it and then two honey rolls. And then came oh the gosh. banana bread French toast. And then um, um, a couple of Mickey waffles, a celebration Mickey pancake, which was just a pancake with some multicolored Mickey-shaped sprinkles on it and like a piece of whipped cream, a little blob of whipped cream. And then there was the some protein, though. Don't worry. There were your eggs, uh, yeah. pork sausage, chicken sausage, and um, bacon, and some brisket, which I didn't try. I have never had a positive brisket experience at Disney, so I didn't want to mm-hmm. start then. And... Um, and it was good. And, you know, you can ask for more of what you yeah. want. I wound up not getting any more because it was way too much. Nicole has a food allergy, so she got kind of her own little bits and pieces. So it right. was way too much food for me. But if you want more, they just bring it to you. You don't even have to get up. That's true yeah. vacation, man, when they bring the food to you. I know. If they could just do that at Tusker, like, just bring me all the things. <laughs> <laughs> I know yes. there's so many things, but it would be really nice. Just, like, pick from a little, maybe a virtual menu, maybe, and then they just bring it to you. <laughs> Yeah, don't even don't even make me talk to a server. Let me press a button. Like press button, get food. That's that's what I want He's my so dining great. experience to be. And then when Donald comes to my table, then I'm like, uh, "Where's my plate?" <laughs> yeah, Donnie, where is that? I go back in the kitchen. Donnie, bring me my food. I ordered through your virtual system, so tell me what's up. <laughs> and then he says, "Get the duck out of here." So. Um, if you're on the fence about doing some character dining, it's still the same price, I'm pretty sure. It was $42 a person for breakfast, which I'm going to tell you is normally out of my breakfast price range. But we were splurging. Mm-hmm. It was our anniversary. Yeah. But we had honestly, we had a great time. We took a lot of great photos. I have so many outrageous photos of selfies that Nicole was taking with the with the, um, with the characters and, and a couple of videos of her going wild with Donald because they have their little love affair. and. And yeah. she always jokes about how, because Daisy doesn't visit us there. And she was saying how that's better. This way, it's just her and him. And they don't have to worry about Daisy <laughs> being course. in the picture. And then she looked at Donnie. And she's like, it's my anniversary with him. But he's only here because he's paying for it. I'm really here to see you. <laughs> like, Which I'm not offended by. But it's, it's funny. It was oh, a funny my thing. gosh. So we yeah. had a great time. And I feel like if, if character dining was your thing in the past and you're itching for it, I still think you can have a great time. It's a little bit different, like everything else at Disney. And it's going to be what you put into it. But I really think you're going to have a great time. Before we get into our guest, before Meg joins us, quick shout out to Stephanie over at World Traveler Trading. You can use our special code. That Park Life. And save yourself some money. All kinds of merch over there, Disney-themed and Disney-inspired things, including but not limited to key fobs, also dog collars, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I'm still loving my uh, Spaceship Earth key fob, which I use all the time. And Yeah, I got mine on too, which... I've got the green one. I think, did you have the blue one? What color did you have? I have a blue one, yeah. One of the many things I like about TikTok, other than being a great excuse to not fall asleep at night, it's really Mm -hmm. bad. It's like 1230 or 1am when I'm still sitting there on TikTok. Um, You you get to come across these awesome accounts. And one of them uh, is here with us today. So welcome, Meg. Hello, thank you for having Welcome, me. Meg. Course, yes. Welcome to the room. Yes. Yes. So you may know Meg on Instagram or TikTok as Practical Princessing. So you were at one point a cast member with Disney and you were friends with lots of characters, which your list is like kind of crazy. If you wouldn't mind, just let's, I think we should start there. Let us know who, as best you can remember, your list of characters you've been friends with. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, face characters I was friends with were Belle. Ariel, Mary Poppins, and Queen Amidala. 
And let's see how many of my fur friends I can remember. Uh, King Louie. God rest his soul. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Penguin. uh, What a Mary Poppins penguins. Mm -hmm. Um, Mr. Smee. Mrs. Incredible. Jesse. Technically, I, I... was friends with Gideon from Pinocchio. Okay. Okay. Uh, one of the bad guys. Yes. Uh, okay. I think I think we might have exhausted my memory <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> I'm like I'm trying to even think what uh, Gideon looks like. Not the fox. I think he's the cat, not the fox. But yes, okay, you're thinking yeah. of the right like, pair. Yeah. Okay. Thinking there was a fox in there, but I don't remember he what the other one looks was. Looks so slightly I got it. inebriated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the country bears. You know, they're pretty right. much all inebriated. I'm like, it, that can't be hard to be friends with them because. You're pretty much just act like you're kind of drunk or whatever the whole time. <laughs> Hanging out, yeah. It's the mo- and that's method acting. They're actually they're drinking moonshine backstage. I'm pretty, pretty sure much. that's how that works. Yeah, blood on the saddle. You drink too. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those songs where we did an episode uh, two episodes ago, Meg, uh, about earworms of Disney, and I don't know how the the blood on the saddle portion of the Country Bears didn't make for it. some reason didn't make the list because that's yeah. one of the ones where you hear it, and I feel like it's in my head for a long time. Yeah, I think so, it's because one. no one likes to go watch the Country Bears. <laughs> oh, I Girl, love it. I love watching fan. it. I love watching it because it's how if you don't laugh when you're in there, like something's wrong with you. I'm sorry. It's just it's, true. it's funny because you're like, what is happening? It's pretty much one of those like you laugh because you have no idea what's going on. You're just like, what just what just happened? And then something else happens and you're like, no, for real. What just happened? <laughs> is this real life? Yeah, it's a miracle that hasn't been replaced yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I like the conversion of fans of that attraction. So my wife is one where she didn't, like growing up when she came here with her family, they didn't really do Country Bears. And then eventually I got her to do it and she was apprehensive. And I remember like maybe after the first time she was like, what? We're not doing that again. And then now like it's a go, it's a go to. If the line isn't <laughs> no, bad, you know, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it like every couple of weeks. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. I, we, I flipped another one. Hey, listen, I want to go back though, because what I like to ask is what is your Disney history? Like, how did you start with Disney? Did you grow up going to Disney? Like, what's the mm-hmm. connection there? My dad has always called me Princess growing up. That's my nickname. Okay. Smart and guy. I was I was born in the era of Belle and Ariel, right in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, right there, um, girl. I'm right there with you. Right. Those Renaissance millennial babies. And <laughs> so I grew up in this world of Disney really being on its peak. And my grandparents, my dad's parents, live uh, or lived out in St. Pete Beach, Florida. And I grew up in North Carolina. So we'd come okay. down the highway and across I-4. Yeah. And almost every year for Christmas or some holiday uh, and you either go to Disney or go to downtown Disney at the time. Mm-hmm. And as a child, I didn't know the difference. Yeah. So I grew yeah. up with Disney very okay. much so. And my mom's dad was an art teacher and he used to love Mickey Mouse and, and do mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse seek and find books for us as kids. Um, I sang the songs. My parents have a video of me singing part of your world at like two <laughs> years old in the foyer. Amazing. So it's, it's always been part of my life. And then about, Eight years old, we were doing meet and greets. They used to do meet and greets under the castle, um, mm-hmm. sort of where the, the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I met Alice there when I was around eight. And I looked at Alice and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> You're the same size as me. And uh, it was just about the same time that the internet was taking off. And oh, so yeah. I got on my dial-up computer and <laughs> typed away. Oh my Disney God, auditions. I feel so old because this sentence... It was when the internet was taking off. You know, it's, it's true, like, right? Wow. Like this, we didn't live on the internet like they do now, you know? Back in my day when the internet Back was just starting up. <laughs> it was insane. I had that little, you can still hear that. Yeah. As I, I was Haunts looking me. for Disney auditions and I found it. And uh, I found out that in order to be friends with Belle at Walt Disney World, you had to be between 5'4 and 5'6 at the time. And I think they've maybe loosened that a little bit since. Mm-hmm. But I would pray every night from that point until I don't know when. Dear God, I don't know if it's too late because of DNA and everything, but <laughs> could you make me between 5'4 and 5'6 when I grow up so that I could be friends with Belle and Disney World? Mm-hmm, Amen. Mm-hmm. And that was just my prayer uh, until... And it worked I, out. It worked out. You know, I kind of got away from that at some point, studied mm-hmm. journalism, but eventually okay. ended up back in Florida and, and made my dreams come true, so... So you're saying, if I pray hard enough, I can still be a Disney princess. Is that what you're telling me? You know, well, I'm saying it may not hurt. Now, well, you know but what? DNA this might play into age, it. Greg, this day and age, Greg, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Well, here's the and thing. if though. someone tells you no, you can pretty much sue them for that. So. Good. Well, that. And so I'm not even that tall. I'm only 5'9". But um, all they need to do is just write 
a movie with a five nine balding princess and then oh <laughs> boom you're I'm in, in. I'm you're in. in you're in you're imagineering already i mean i'd watch that movie <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a straight to disney plus movie for sure so did you get to disney after college or yes okay. yeah i was a year out of college so i went and I decided uh, I've been performing my whole life. The singing as a toddler didn't stop. And I went to school originally for vocal performance and switched to journalism because I thought I can't be a struggling actor. I need a real job and uh, use the same skill set with broadcast. So I went into the industry and realized it was floundering. I mean, this was 2010, 11 when I graduated college and it just... They, they was trying to struggle that gap between broadcast and syndication and moving into the streaming world. And I wasn't getting any joy out of it. So I didn't want to use my degree anymore. I kind yeah. of had to start from square one. And I just said, well, I'm going to go audition. Why not? Yeah. Where did you yeah. go to college, if you don't mind me asking? Because you said UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah. Okay. All right. I am, I'm in South Carolina. I went to Clemson. So oh. I was like, we're not that far from each other. Yeah, not too far. So after all that, you uh, you wound up at Disney. And mm-hmm. what I love about your TikTok account is you give a lot of information that um, is useful for a lot of people. How to basically like from the idea of I might want to be a Disney princess one day versus what it's actually like there. And then even mm-hmm. what to do after. Cause there's this one nice TikTok where you talk about, you got a little life advice in there. Make sure you have a plan make sure you have a plan for what you're doing after the fact, which is really helpful. Cause I think it's really easy to fall into the, Oh, I just want to be a Disney princess. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like the end of the road where it really isn't. It's sometimes the beginning, certainly the middle. So if you're looking for more information out there, um, you do a really good job of summarizing all of that in, within 60 seconds. So I don't want to rehash all of that with you, but from your TikToks, I have so many questions of, of, just, <laughs> of just what it's all like. And something you touched on that I think maybe not a lot of people think about is a, um, is a media character versus just, let's say, a regular old face character or fur character. So if you wouldn't mind letting all of us know what it means to be a media character because you were friends with media bell, I guess you could say, um, Mm. at one point. Yeah. So it is something that a lot of people don't realize because you see the commercials and you think everyone who's going to perform is going to be in a Disney commercial. Mm -hmm. And I've talked also in videos about our uh, skill scoring system where you get an audition, you get a score based on your movement ability and your animation ability. Mm. And so that score plays into a lot of things. What Parisian shows you're cast in, And also if you're ever chosen to be a media performer. So that's based on how, essentially how talented you are without Mm -hmm. being disrespectful to the other people. Yeah. Um, But also who they think fits best, the look that they want the company to portray to the public. And that can shift over time. Obviously as trends change, the person portraying that character for media may change. Mm-hmm. Maybe they like round faces now or new merchandise came out and they want it to look more like the merchandise. So there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors behind why they choose a performer for media. But generally speaking, it's not just one performer either, which a lot of people don't know. I was okay. allowed to do media events fairly early on in my career, but they would be smaller level ones. And there's sort of a primary and then a few others that they can choose. And it sometimes just depends on availability mm-hmm. or the publicity of that event. Okay. And the best example I can give you for this is when I was hanging out with Media Bell, there was an event that I was pulled out of rehearsal for, fi- for Festival Fantasy for because it was on Twitter. And they really mm. didn't want anybody else to do that. They were like, you, we want you to do this event. Mm-hmm. So we can't just put another girl in. Whereas mm. if it had been a media meet and greet with some celebrity, for example, where it would only end up on their social, maybe is not important to have me particularly. So, yes, I was hell-bent on being media because of my background. Yeah, well, why would you not? Yeah, yeah. Well, and not just even for the fame of it, which I think a lot of people like the attention, but I went to journalism school. Put me in front of a camera. I didn't get this degree for nothing. I was born for this, and I trained for this for a long time. Exactly. So, yeah, it was a fun experience for sure. I definitely... A unique thing and I've seen there's some things that I've done that no one else has ever done mm-hmm. and there are some things that my peers and people I, I worked with have done that I yeah. didn't get to do you know yeah. I was I was about to ask if there's more pressure involved with that but in just in thinking about it as a uh, in entertainment if you're on a parade float 
a lot of eyeballs are watching you. So whether it's a camera or not, I feel like the pressure is maybe a little bit different, but I would imagine the, the intensity is just always there. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah. you're, you know, you're yeah. so visible and there are yeah. so many eyes on you and there are so many guests with cell phones who are recording innocently, but the video could become less innocent if something were to happen in the video, right? So I would imagine there's just pressure all around when you're performing. True. And I think parades and shows, that's part of the reason why they make sure your skill level is at a certain point mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. if you're you're being highly publicized like that, that it is going to be the best quality they can give. But for media, I think it's different. And I've seen it not to be disrespectful of other media performers, but yeah. I have seen some people who are better at it than others. Mm. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. And I think my background really helped me to be successful in that. I knew how to connect yeah. with a camera. I knew how to, to pose well and uh, to move well and to speak well. That one's almost even more difficult because you're speaking scripted lines and it can right. sound very stiff. And I've yeah. seen it. I've seen, I've seen people who only look really great in photos. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's what their strength is. And mine was a little different. It really comes down to your relationship with the casting team. Yeah. Okay. And it is, and that's another thing that I think I approached my time at Disney differently than a lot of other performers is I went in going, this is my career for right. the foreseeable future. I am a performer. These are casting directors. I am an actress and I have to advocate for myself mm -hmm. and, you know, making it known that I'm interested in doing those kind of things, having conversations with them whenever I was in front of them, uh, showing up, showing mm -hmm. off, you know, right. Right. Giving it my yeah. all every time I had somebody's eyes on me who could influence that decision, like performance specialists, trainers, you know, I gave it 110% to get there. Yeah. Not to toot your horn, but you all, you have the look too. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like you're beautiful and you definitely have this like princess look to you. So I can only imagine, <laughs> I'm sure their eyes lit up and they're like, yes, this girl right here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but so just being I think when I first... Right. And I think when I first started, I don't think I, I fit it quite as well. Like, you do learn a lot in the time yeah. working there. Well, because I mean, like, um, when I first saw you, I was like, she looks like Ariel. But Oh, really? Then, you saw Ariel when, first? Yeah. But when you say Belle, I'm like, oh, obviously. So. Well, and I, I'm very fortunate. I joke. I have a chameleon face that when you put a wig on me, it changes my mm. face shape. But there's also tips and tricks that I've learned yeah. over time that can change those things. Like, Today, and, and for those people who can't see on the video, I did a, a tutorial video with my friend earlier this morning for my Patreon based on Aurora's look. So apart from the mm. lipstick, I have very angular, I'm emphasizing yeah. the, the chiseled part of Aurora's bone structure because it's pushing it more without being too, uh, too caricature. Right. And you learn some of those like makeup tricks that really help change characters if you do have a face that can fit more than one. Yeah. Gosh, to me, it's awesome. aggravating when somebody looks exactly the same in every character. <laughs> I know. I know. You're like, uh, Samantha? <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Like, you look just the same. Okay, whatever. Just put a wig on. Cool. That's, That's cool. who Olaf was looking for the whole time. Yeah, the That's whole true, time. Pretty much. Um, let's go back for a sec because I we were talking very briefly about um, parades. So I know that you've mm -hmm. been involved in Fantasmic, mm -hmm. uh, Festival of Fantasy, affectionately referred to briefly as FAF. And if I was able to deduce correctly, were you, were you uh, a part of the Once Upon a Time at Christmas? Yes. At the Very Merry. Okay, yeah, that's what Ooh. I was thinking. So, I also did Celebrate a Dream Come True Parade. So I started early oh. enough to do that parade as well. Nice, okay. I don't even remember what that is. Which one was that? Celebrate a dream come true and you might just find a wish for you when you close your eyes and you realize it's all the princesses yeah. on the castle float. Yeah. Okay, yes. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I have lots of questions about what it's like to be on a parade float. And part of this is jealousy because I think I want to be on a parade float one day. But The balding um, princess on her own parade float. Can't wait to see it, Greg. It's going to yes, be an amazing uh, day. A little uh, danger factor involved here, right? Because you're mm -hmm. up, you're elevated, you're on a, a moving, granted a slowly moving vehicle. But just if you could walk us through what it's like as a performer up on a parade float, specifically sure. as you're coming down Main Street, you know, like of all places to be, mm -hmm. Main Street, USA. Sure. Well, the first thing you have to do uh, as a performer, any performer in parades and shows is do parade orientation. You can't be considered to be trained in any role without being parade oriented because it's a safety class. Mm -hmm. And if you know all the four keys, I don't know if your listeners know, safety begins with me. Mm -hmm. So they go over all of those fundamentals of parade safety. And there are a lot of hazards, even if you're on the ground. I mean, the train tracks that the trolley goes on can roll your ankle. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you learn about, you know, how close you can get to the, the guests and the float itself and how to pace that out in your mind. 
And then there's obviously the higher risk ones like Pegasus Girl or Ariel's uh, float that's super mm -hmm. high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you have to learn forklift safety. So I've kind of run the gamut uh, with that. And the first time, I'm trying to remember the first time I would have come down Main Street. It would have been Celebrated Dream Come True. And it would have been hanging out with Mary Poppins. Mm. Okay. Um, so she was on the back of Aladdin's float. There was big genie and Aladdin sat on top and Mary Poppins and Bert were on a chimney top behind mm. her. Yes, yes. And I remember uh, the performer who was friends with Bert at the time was a veteran. He'd been there for years. In all honesty, he's probably still there. <laughs> and he made me laugh until I cried on that float. I just had the time of my life because it's, it's everything you've been taught about animating mm -hmm. to the nth degree. And to, to be able to interact with another performer like that, that was just a, a thrill. But you're going backwards. So yeah. I didn't see the castle going down Main Street. I saw it leaving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the other time I can really remember um, when I was doing something that I knew it felt cool was I did a media event with Festival of Fantasy, and they mm. only had the first float. So it was okay. just the princesses and none of the rest of the parade. And it was the crack of dawn and it was just pinkish sky and an empty main street and the cool morning air of Orlando, which never feels like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this film crew at this at the flagpole area. And I just went, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I feel so cool right now. Yeah. And there were moments like that, even on a day to day where I'd sort of have to internally pinch myself and be like, this this is your life right now. Yeah. That's it. Festival of Fantasy, that one looks very intense to me. Like it, some of the floats, because you know they have like Rapunzel's, the things are moving back and forth. And I'm mm -hmm. like, not only are you a moving float this way, but you're moving this way. And mm -hmm. I'm right. just like, I don't know how they focus and hang on for the entire time. Because I'm like, you got to have some muscles because you're like, looks like you're hanging on for dear life. Right. And Those performers do have to take... Uh, fitness exams before they're approved as well. They do okay. put them through the ringer to make sure they're fit enough to do that. Oh, well, out. and if you're if you're <laughs> on a float, are you if you're up on a float, is everyone hooked into something? Like, because yes. I've noticed carabiners and stuff, and I'm like, but some of them I think you don't notice them as much. So I'm curious sure. if everyone's hooked in at some point somewhere. They should be. I think the exception are the swing thugs, which is what the the thugs are called that are not Flynn and yeah. Flynn Rider. I think they just hold on to their handle strap. They have like a hand strap like you'd find on right. a subway I've noticed. Yeah. Right. And they have to put their arm through it and hold it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I was like, how are they not hooked up to something? <laughs> well, that's but... it. I mean, and that's part of the reason why they have to test their grip yeah. strength and their cardiovascular durability. And those are heavy. Those, those yeah. anchors are really heavy. So they have to really work to push their legs into them to get them to swing. So that's probably the most physically demanding of the float yeah. riders. I think that the normal park goer doesn't really appreciate all the stuff that goes into that because thinking about how many things you have to focus on and how many, like the multitasking you have to do. Sure. It is crazy. And you're, you're dancing around a chord too. I, I had, yeah. uh, um, you know, I was attached to something everywhere, a, a safety belt um, mm -hmm. or in one case, I had more of a tether that I would yeah. hook onto the base yeah. of the, the first float. And you have a little room to move, but you know you slip and you're dangling off the side of the yeah. front of the float. <laughs> and then you're on the news, basically. And let's be yeah. real, everything is harder when it's hot. And so like, also thinking about the element of the heat. It's like, you're doing this, you're sweating it out, you're trying to hold on, you also have to be in character. Like You have to connect right. with people. It's just so much. And I would constantly check on my partner uh, when I was hanging out with Belle and the Beast because mm. that, oh, is, yeah. that is intense, what they have to do. Yeah. That is more than is ever asked of them. And they all, every single one I worked with, it was phenomenal. Let me ask you about the heat because mm. I am intolerant of heat and I'm never out in the sun for any period of time. Sure. Um, Same. So as a performer, I mean, we've talked to some cast members throughout our time here doing this podcast. Cause you know, we have at least one cast member on a month and we've talked to ones who are parking lot, you know, they're out in the parking lot attendants or just mm -hmm. general outside. And I'm always so fascinated about how people survive. So mm -hmm. the difference between someone who works in the parking lot versus a, a performer is you're, you're really, really on stage, right? You kind of forget that the parking lot is considered stage cause it's in guest view, but like, no bigger stage, really, right? Then you're on, you're in the parade and Magic Kingdom. So, just how are you still here, breathing and alive? It doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. Like, how how do you get through? And I guess more 
kind of more practically is what happens if you actually start to sweat? It's got to, um, you know, by the way, I don't wear makeup, right? So I'm assuming you have to yeah. do your, uh, use the correct uh, types of makeup and the, doing it in the right way to make sure you, it all kind of stays there, right? Like True. And I did, somebody asked about this on TikTok and I did okay. a video dedicated to tips and tricks of, of mm -hmm. keeping your makeup on in the sweat. Um, but to put it simply, you adjust slowly, which is kind of nice because when you first start training as a character performer, it's indoors mm -hmm. right. and you put on these fur costumes, which is always first and you get warm and even in air conditioning, but you get used to what that feels like. And then they take you out for smaller sets, shorter amounts of time for training purposes. And you get acclimated to that. So by the time you do your first full day, you kind of know what to expect. Mm. Okay. Um, that's not to say that come summertime, they shorten the set times to 20 minutes on, 40 minutes off, that I didn't die by the end of the 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. It was <laughs> brutal. Yeah. Um, but for face characters, you can't, I mean, I could roll my eyes in the, in the, fur costume and yep. no one could tell right. and I could yeah. look right. like death with face yeah. characters you have to look like it's not bothering you and yeah. fortunately that fur training comes first to sort of help you realize mm. that you're doing better than you used to be yeah. <laughs> at least like, you I can, can breathe, breathe but I'm sweating it out yeah and, and, and you learn to like pat your lip with your glove or mm. one trick we would do um is uh, definitely setting spray helps less makeup the better just there's straight less... hair just straight hairspray <laughs> you're gonna you're just gonna snooky it up it's true uh, and peppermint oil on the back of your neck if you can keep oh, the yeah. back of your neck cool then you're yeah. probably okay so you said you have a chameleon type face but obviously your eye color is a is a pretty static thing mm -hmm. so i know you you mentioned um having contacts and stuff but like what is that like and and how does that make you feel because i think it must be so cool to like be able to just shift how you look all the time you're including your eye color yeah it is it's like really fun <laughs> and I I think it's amazing. Uh, like most people growing up, I always wanted what I didn't have. Mm -hmm. So I really wished I was blonde haired and blue eyed as a child, you know, like Cinderella and Aurora, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, you know, you look like Belle, so take what you got. You're doing good. <laughs> um, but when I did finally get to put on a blue pair of contacts, it was fun. It was really exciting to see. And it's interesting that they only do it if it's a character that the guests will notice. Mm -hmm. um, so like I've spoken about this on TikTok, but Julie Andrews, for example, has blue eyes, but they don't care if Mary Poppins right. does or not. Honestly, right. I didn't think I knew that either. So look at right. that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my brother called me out on it on set one time. He was <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you're not, you didn't, and I was like, Shh, just be cool, man. Like, I didn't <laughs> feel like care. it today. Don't I didn't want to wear, I don't, it didn't matter. You know, <laughs> Uh, so I got used to wearing them. And honestly, I still, I'll, I'll find play with new colors now. I just did a cosplay yeah. with uh, Agatha from oh, WandaVision. WandaVision, yeah. And I bought some gray uh, yeah. contacts, grayish, yeah. greenish. And they, those were so fun. Yeah. Who is your favorite character to hang out with? Absolutely. Well, oh, that's a tricky question. Who's my favorite character? My favorite character to hang out with might actually be two different people. Um, mm. I... It would depend on what I was doing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, Ariel, Ariel was so freeing. To I, I made the most chaotic expressions. I have some photographs that I'm just like, why did you do that to your face? <laughs> um, and then, so it was really fun and liberating to hang out with her. But Belle has always been my favorite mm. character. And to be able to to bring her to life. And she was my first character. I'm sorry. And the cat is cracking me up. He can't do without like, attention. She was like, my cat might be kind of walking in and out and her, his tail just comes into the frame and like hits her yeah. in the neck. I'm sorry. That was He's awesome. too much. That's Ricky Ricardo, by the way. Oh my gosh. Of course. Love it. She's sorry. Very fancy. Um, but yeah, so Belle's always been my favorite. So that was a dream come true. And a lot of magical things happened with Belle that uh, didn't happen with anybody else. I mean, the mm -hmm. media stuff and... Um, the Festival of Fantasy, for that matter, they called yeah. me to be part of the opening team of Festival of Fantasy. I was one of the first five performers chosen for that role wow. cool. um, in the world, you know, and and that wasn't lost on me. But they also called me on my birthday to tell me. And I don't oh. think they planned that, but it was a great birthday present. Oh, yeah. 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 You're like, I don't know how to react, but. <laughs> I was pretty sure crying was my reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I also had never, 
I had cried for a lot of things growing up, uh, you know, for sadness, but I had never really cried out of joy until I, mm. I got this job. And it's awesome. the overwhelming conflict of emotions going on. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Ariel being, if, if nothing else, in the top two of, of mm-hmm. characters that you like to hang out with. Um, was that at Ariel's Grotto in Magic Kingdom? Like you were involved with meeting greens ever? Primarily, yeah. So yes. I actually, I, I'll give you the order I got them. I was friends with Belle. That's how I was hired. Okay. And then fit to hang out with Cinderella, Aurora, and Mary Poppins all at the same time. And I was chosen for Mary Poppins out of those three. Okay. Don't ask me why they didn't choose others. I asked them at that point to fit me in Rapunzel as well, and they said no, which is, you All know, right. I asked. They said no, that's their prerogative. Yeah. It's my career. Um, and it wasn't until almost a year later, I actually auditioned for the Voyage of the Little Mermaid show. Oh. Okay. And I was fit and approved through singing with the Actors' Equity Union casting team. But the fittings were held by the character department casting team because you still had to be consistent look-wise mm-hmm. between the character department and the equity so they had the photos, and I got the call from one of the casting directors in Equity saying, hey, you're approved. We love you. We want you to do this show, but we don't have any contracts available, and this is a contract-based uh, role. Yeah. So we'll keep you on in mind for the next six months or so, uh, but you know, kind of don't hold your breath, basically. Yeah. Right. And so I then had a conversation with the character department casting team, the woman who actually hired me, and said, hey, you know, Ac- Equity said I, I look like her. And uh, I don't know if if you would look at it, but like, do you think maybe I, I could hang out with Ariel in the parks instead, instead of doing mm-hmm. the show? And she, on the phone, pulled up the images of me that they had taken at the audition and said, oh, oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to talk to the rest of the team, but I, I don't see why not. Let, mm-hmm. let me just make sure it's okay with them. And that's how I got to wow. hang out with Ariel. I yeah. asked, essentially, yeah. right. from a different audition. So, um, yeah, it's it, it was a very different experience than to go into the grotto and Mm -hmm. immediately after that, and this is what I find, this is why I tell people don't get upset if casting isn't picky for things. The very next season that they would have cast people in parades and shows, so they cast six months at a time. There's a a summer casting and a winter casting. Mm. The very next casting, they cast me five days as Ariel. Oof. The team that didn't pull me out of a lineup right. for Ariel cast Weird. me five days. So, huh. you know, it's kind of like yeah. When they're really? doing the, when they were doing the photos for your audition, are you in that costume or it's just like yes. okay? Yeah. So I was put in a fitting, and that's a lot of it. If you can get <laughs> them to look at you, you may get something that right. you wouldn't otherwise. You yeah. know and. And they, I, they just wouldn't look at me half the time. And, of course, yeah. I want to go in as a performer and do everything I can because that makes my my schedule more diverse. It gives yeah. me more experiences. It challenges me as, a, as an actor. And I would love to have been fit in all of them. And I think, right. honestly, if they can hold on to a performer for at least three years, they should just put them in everybody and see what works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At that Probably. point, yeah. you know they've got the, the, the training. longevity. You know yeah, you've got, the they've got the training. Right. And a lot of people, there's a lot of turnaround. So I understand why they don't do that initially um, and based on, you know, head count and, and what they can pay for. But if they've already been there for that long, you should just shoot them all into whatever. Yeah. Mm. So I, I have seen as a guest just so many interesting and I'm saying interesting. I'll put that in air quotes experiences <laughs> with meet and greets because, you know, it's you, I'm sure you get all kinds of guests right from the super knowledgeable. Mm. Like they're really there to to see like one of their favorite characters and maybe some who were dragged there. And I remember you mentioning on a TikTok about a proposal yeah. that happened. So I would imagine you just uh, you just must see so many things during meet and greets. Yeah, it's it's true. I think that was one of the more uncomfortable ones for me, just because of the <laughs> nature of how it happened. It's literally yeah. over my lap, and I couldn't control the situation anymore. <laughs> and that's that's like all they teach you in training is keep control of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had a lot, of, and especially being able to do Make-A-Wish and seeing a variety of children in different circumstances and seeing adults. Um, I had, you know, a 70-some-odd-year-old women crying meeting me for the first time as, as their favorite character. And it really it melted my heart to connect with people like that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to, to be able to represent that for them and to fill something in their soul that needed filled. Right. 
And where else can you do that? Like, it's just one right. of those things I where, know. like, you, you can't where, really do that in many other places. Where it's in normal that to do that. Where it's okay <laughs> yeah. Well, and that. that's that's sort of the trick of it. And that's what I took away from a lot of my experience as a princess is fundamentally, and I think actors around the world could probably uh, appreciate this too, fundamentally, the motivation of any human is to be seen and heard and mm-hmm. understood. Mm-hmm. That's what people want. They want to feel safe and loved. And princesses can do that very easily because there's already this backstory of you're predisposed to do it. But how can you mm-hmm. then take that in your life and your relationships and make the people around you feel that magical, whether you're mm-hmm. a princess or not? And that's why I say, you know, cosplay is great. And whatever you do, whatever magic you can bring to people, do it. There's no rule that says only princesses can be magical yeah. to people. Right, right. <laughs> I want to put you on the spot for a second. One of my favorite things working for Disney is finding out how to answer certain guest questions. Oh, so these all are right. all these are all. I don't have like a, a series of questions. Don't worry. But as an <laughs> as an example, it was actually a caption I used in an Instagram post I did recently because um, I've you know we've talked to some some uh, cast members here, and I have a friend who used to work uh, parade and audience uh, control on Main Street. Mm-hmm. She was pack. And she would obviously have a go-to answer if a guest were to ask, especially a child, why is there a cable running from Cinderella's castle over to wherever? And there's some really like fun answers to that. My favorite ones are um, it's there because sometimes Tinkerbell Spring is a little too much pixie dust on the castle and that's to keep it from floating away. Oh, that's adorable. Yes. So I'm wondering if you have heard any of those types of things where like, you know, you're going to get a guest question then they're going to try to call out something and you kind of have to like, you got to do that that spin where you bring it back into the to the Disney fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you remember any from either training or just experience um, that you had as a cast member. Uh, maybe not so much from training. I mean, you definitely that is that's the skill of a face character yeah. is yeah. to bring it back to your story. And you I don't think really that's know what you're going to get until they're right in front of you. <laughs> right. Especially, and especially if you kids. Can't, if you can't keep control of the conversation from the first moment, which is what you're supposed to do, then you need to be able to bring it back. Okay. And this is something that I'll, I will go into more depth if people want real training on this on my Patreon on how to do that. But um, it's something I still do with, with party princessing. But the one kid I remember that almost threw me off and I was really proud of myself for my <laughs> answer was uh, it, hanging out with Belle in France. And this little girl comes up and hands Belle her book and she goes, Belle, why don't you like Gaston? <laughs> and Belle goes, well, I think he likes himself enough for the both of us. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, how do you yeah. make that nice to a child who doesn't understand yeah. misogyny? You know? Yes. Right. You're like, well, give it a few years, kid, and you'll understand you'll get the it. way yeah, the world exactly. works. <laughs> And I, I remember thinking of it on the fly and then going backstage going, yeah, we're keeping that one. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's telling actually, everyone. That's exactly what I was thinking of, too, because those are the best character interactions I have as a guest. So mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have asked that question, but you hear that. And those are the things I remember as a guest. And one of our patrons, so one of our supporters from Patreon, had asked something kind of along these lines. I want to make sure I get her question in. And her question was, if you have any advice for a guest on how to make interactions with a face character less awkward, more enjoyable, because there are a lot of guests. I was kind of one of them until my wife came along. She's the character whisperer somehow, yeah. um, and she's converted me. But if you have any advice, and Beth is, so you have, you have someone I'm right in front of you. I'm super awkward. Like, I super just, awkward, I, I like, so. stay away from the characters because I'm like, you can't talk, like, especially the um, the fur characters, because I'm like, you can't mm-hmm. talk to me, and that makes me feel so anxious. <laughs> like, right, because you feel the burden of storytelling. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like I have to really carry on this job. conversation, and I just really want to eat my food and, like, not talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so the advice I usually give people, and what I've learned is usually if, if the guest volunteers something, if he's like, hey, I, you're my, you know, I, I really love to see you today. We came all the way here just to see you, like just to like kind of beef them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Usually, the character gets so much more animated, and you get like more out of it. But as someone who obviously has a lot more experience on the other side of it, if you have any advice, that'd be very helpful. Well, there's there's two approaches, and it really depends on who you're going to see and who the performer is. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, you've learned, you know, we learn in training to take control of the conversation as a yeah. face character. So in all likelihood, they will see you and start storylining mm-hmm. okay. right away. So you don't have to worry about it. And, and that's that's the way they're trained. Now, if you go in with something and can preempt that, um, a lot of performers will be able to adapt and, and switch. Now, if they keep going on their original storyline, just go with it. Like, just yeah. let yeah. them do their thing. They, <laughs> yeah. they probably aren't comfortable with improv. That's fine. But 
what I would do if if I had somebody come up to me is um, I would go with what they wanted to and again, bring it back to my story if it didn't. So the best advice I can say for anybody who's anxious about meeting a character is first of all, trust them. They're doing their job. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you have a lot of time in line, right? You have a lot of time in line. Mm-hmm. So think of another character in their story, a mm-hmm. secondary character, their significant other, uh, a, a place that they really like something else in their story for example if you're going to see ariel um i would challenge you even not to say flounder or sebastian but think about king triton you know nobody talks about him so if you came up to ariel and you said hey ariel how's your dad today is what's king triton up to she could then storyline from there in a way that's refreshing for her as a performer you always answer the same questions if you go up to Rapunzel and say, where's Pascal? That's everybody's going to say that. But if you go up and say, what's your favorite thing to eat at the Snuggly Duckling? Yeah. Then she's going to have a fun time making something up. Yeah. Yes. Good. That's so what find I like. a detail and, and bring right. it to her. Go with it. That's a good. Mm-hmm. That will help okay. me in the future. Yeah. It's typically and you, like. And think I of mean, it in line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not typically waiting in line. It's more so. Uh, like dining Character connections. Dining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, just uh, here comes someone like, <laughs> to think of something, which is fine. And they have a very but... small amount of time in dining. Right. So mm-hmm. if you can fill that time while they're signing your book with a right. question like that you, you've pr- thought of, it'll save them. They'll love yeah. you. <laughs> it's usually like, let's just get a photo. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. Bye. See, uh, Nicole and I, my wife Nicole and I just went to Chef Mickey. So when Donald comes over, she just goes off. She's like, Donald, you're my, you're my number one because Donald Duck's thing is he's number one. And they'll they'll interact for like 30 seconds, which is kind of a long time. And I just, every time I'm just like, I'm so not like that. And I appreciate it. And it's <laughs> yeah. so fun. It's, can I tell you, it's so fun to watch. And when Nicole and Donald interact, and they'll do this anywhere. Right now, they're hanging out up on um, the train station on Main Street. She'll do the same thing. She'll wait for him to see her. <laughs> She's that girl. Attention. Like... Yeah. And yeah. she does the number one. She draws a heart. Donald will draw a heart back. He'll take his hat off. Like, they just, they'll have a moment. And that's usually mm-hmm. what I wind up telling um, other guests are. Because I know sometimes right now, these days... Um, mm. Some of the questions we get are, is, there, is the magic still the same there? Like everything is a little mm. bit different. Sometimes you got to like look for it and kind of create your own. And, and Nicole is really good at that. And it actually like winds up being a show for other people. And right. I'll notice, sure. so, like, I'll notice when they were doing their thing at, at uh, Chef Mickey at the Contemporary, I was watching the rest of the room and they were all watching them. Like mm. kind of yeah. like nudging, like, hey, are you watching this? And it, it's yeah. so, so much fun. And that's like why we continue to go back and do things for moments like that. You remember the old castle show where the princes and princesses would all waltz together? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously working in the parks, I I knew most of them. And I would go as a guest. Mm-hmm. And if I was walking by, I don't normally stand there and watch it every time. Yeah. But if I was walking by and happened to recognize somebody, I would stop and watch it. And my brother's former roommate was a prince. Okay. And so he and I were fairly uh, familiar with each other. Never really worked together directly, but we knew each other really well. And so whenever I was standing there, he would blow me kisses. And I just felt like the celebrity at the Rockstar concert. Like, oh, my God, he's so hot. And he's like, what if he, kisses. like, grabbed you and tried to waltz with you? I'd be like, oh, right? yes. Yes, That's please. What, you know, yes. you, you feel like that moment in Full House where DJ sees the guy who looks like Steve, but it's Aladdin. Yes. And, yeah. yeah, it was that, like, oh. yes. yeah, it was pretty magical. That was the first day that a pair of underwear was thrown on the stage during right. that performance. <laughs> right. Pretty much. Kicked it to the side. Kicked it to the side. I'm just so fascinated. I feel like I could talk for four hours about all this, but I, I don't want to sure. keep you. you. I have yeah. a question about meet and greets. How do you guys, mm-hmm. how do they uh, keep to- like on track with time? Time per sure. guest? Like I'm always curious uh, well, about that. For starters, the, the trainers are very clear about dictating what the flow of a meet and greet should look like. So you you go gather the guests, you storyline and sign, you take a photograph, and then you escort them out. There's very four yeah. clear steps. And then they tell you, okay, now do it in 70 seconds. Um, uh, okay, so that's and, it. Like, that's what they tell you. Because I'm always curious. I'm like, right. what's the time frame they give everybody? Because they seem well, to do a really good job. And they may have changed it. I mean, obviously, it's been a few years since I've been there. But when I was the face character, uh, meet and greet location, standard meet and greet location like Ariel's Grotto would be 71 seconds per family average. And they would have a performance specialist, specific person 
who would come and watch you periodically throughout your tenure there and, and time you and write down yeah. notes about your performance. And then you'd have a little performance review, essentially. So you learn internally sort of what does 71 seconds feel like mm -hmm. and, and where to give a guest or a family more time and where to just take the picture and usher them yeah. on their way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure your, your internal clock starts to really yeah. shine. Yeah, I know, get, especially if like... Especially if some little kid's trying to tell you a story, you're like, oh, man, you're just taking up all your time here, kid. <laughs> you know, honestly, if a kid's doing my job for me, I'll let him talk. That's true. That's true. That's you get a little break. <laughs> you're like, ding, Save 70 seconds. Break. Sorry, we got to take this picture and get Perfect. you out of your hair. Right. <laughs> So um, I, we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, if anyone wants to follow you and continue to get more information, mm -hmm. I would advise them to check out your TikTok, and that is at Practical Princessing. And if they want to support you and learn even more stuff, I'm guessing you get to do some real like nitty gritty stuff over on yes. your Patreon account. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I have more ideas than I've been able to execute quickly enough, but that means it's good. It'll have some longevity. Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. We have one level that's four videos guaranteed of training videos a month, okay. and then the cool. higher level is includes like behind the scenes photographs and and more personal stuff. Like I'm thinking yeah. about doing this cosplay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's awesome cool. to, to get that type of, um, an experience from someone who did it and obviously did it well right. because you know, mm -hmm. media. So, um, <laughs> I also want to mention that you are working for spark a dream princess parties. If I have that yes. name correctly. And I'm guessing it's out of the Boston area. Right. Yes. Well, a spark a dream actually is out of the North shore area of Massachusetts. So okay. I'm a little okay. further out. Um, but it is, it was started by another former cast member nice. who had a huge cosplay following on Instagram and uh, worked for a, a princess party company out in Orlando that I worked with very briefly. Mm -hmm. And that's how we met. And okay. we weren't very close friends, sort of knew each other from social media. So when I moved up to Massachusetts, I had no friends and I was like, you, you at least know what I've been through. And she has become by and far one of my favorite people. Awesome. And we just went to Disney together in January. And oh, nice. She's yeah. a wonderful human being. Great boss. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We actually have a lot of listeners up in, in Massachusetts. I think it's like oh, number fantastic. number three for our, uh, for our listeners. So. Shout out to Mass. Yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So you never know. Maybe maybe someone out there will need a little uh, yeah. little work from Princess. And Happy I did to do it. I did notice that you're all about Disney bounding too, which is like a, mm -hmm. probably a whole other conversation that we'll have to have on a different yeah. day because a lot of people are really interested uh, in all of that. So thanks for chatting with us yeah. for this long. We really appreciate Absolutely. you hanging out with us. I feel like there was so much information in all of that. And again, on I feel like TikTok is a great avenue for you to be able to continue to answer questions from all kinds. Uh, of guests because I, I noticed they have some really interesting questions out there and mm -hmm. it's so cool we get to be able to interact absolutely and it's it, there's a little q a it's red it's right under your profile before all the videos start and you can just put a question right there it's super easy cool yes cool awesome so thanks for hanging out with us thanks for making magic while you were <laughs> with uh with disney and and the, i bet you that you've made so many memories you might not even ever know right the you had a guest <laughs> for the very first time mm -hmm. got to meet Ariel or Belle or Mary Poppins, even if it was just something simple as just floating by on a parade float. So that's stuff that, that we remember for a long time. I actually had someone message me on Instagram from mm -hmm. my TikToks, a photo of me with her daughter. And mm -hmm. she wrote a lovely thing all about how it was her favorite character and her daughter's first time meeting that character and what it meant to her. Mm -hmm. And I hung up my phone from looking at Instagram, called my mom and started bawling. Oh, no. I was like, that, it was all worth it. You know, the yeah. magic yes. really does yeah. go both ways. Yeah. Yes, it, yeah. it really, really does. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank yeah. you for having me. Of course. Until next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got anything? You have a nugget? Yeah, I have a nugget, but listen, it's really not a, it's not a nugget. It's like a whole, it's a whole chicken breast here. Okay. Okay. Well, here comes Beth with the whole breast. <laughs> yeah. Stick with me, everyone. Okay. So new details have been revealed about the Jungle Cruise. Everybody knows we've talked about how they're going through changes. They're well imagineering. They released an article and it is um, from an issue of the Daily News in the year 1938. So this is what this article is supposed to be from. And of course, news is spelled G-N-U-S. Um, and it's about Alberta <laughs> Falls and the world famous Jungle Cruise to tease the upcoming project. So there's lots of details here. It is kind of a reflection, like sort of expanding the storyline of the Jungle Cruise's backstory. The story is going to be centered around Alberta Falls, who is the granddaughter of world-renowned Dr. Albert Falls as a proprietor of the Jungle Navigation Company Limited, 
The article introduces all new characters. I'm going to botch these names, but we all love it when Beth botches names. Uh, <laughs> Victoria Marie Falls. Maybe she's a kid sister. I don't know. Sioban Puffin Murphy. Dr. Leonard Moss. That one's easy. Uh, Rosa Soto Dominguez. And SEA member Dr. Khan Chunisaki. I think. The newspaper basically, it says it establishes a direct connection to the Society of Explorers and Adventures. Okay, so here's where we're going to talk about why that's important. Um, so the Society of Explorers and Adventures, it's a secret society of fictional and real life explorers. Uh, this storyline began at Tokyo Disney Sea. So I did a little bit of research because I was reading these articles. Basically, the Society of Explorers and Adventures is going to be a show. It was a, um, a show that they have announced that's going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. This is going to be the first project of what they're calling the Magic Kingdom Universe, which I was like, how did I not even know this was a thing? Yeah, geez. So the Magic Kingdom Universe is basically like this whole new universe that they're going to open up um, on Disney+. Plus. And it's a connection to Jungle Cruise that's implied via other attractions and restaurants, etc. The guy who created For All Mankind, this is another show. So if you watch the show, um, it's the creator of that. His name is Ron Moore. He is basically the person that is starting this project of like the first one that's being developed for the part of the Magic Kingdom universe. So then I went and looked up his page because I was like, well, let's go look up his IMDb page because they always have what are their upcoming projects. And so the upcoming projects that I found on his thing... Um, well, one, it just said Magic Kingdom. So I don't know if that's an actual show that's like maybe going to happen or not. Hmm. Um, the Swiss Family Robinson, we do know is happening. So he's doing the yeah. Swiss Family Robinson. And then the next one that they showed was the Society of Explorers and Adventures, which is in very early stages. So they're basically going to be taking some of that storyline and tying it into the show is kind of what I'm getting. Yeah, this is interesting that. stuff. Real fun. A real fun time. Do you have any nugs? I have no nugs. So we'll okay. move on to some Disney history. You like that? I, I let you hear a little bit of the Disney history jingle today. Thank you. You know I love that. Um, why don't You're you start welcome. us off with some history today? Yeah. I'm going to bring us back to the year 1989, which was the same year that Hollywood Studios opened, but that's not what we're talking about here. The Walt oh. Disney World Casting Center building officially opened obviously, here in Florida. Oh. It is the official center for employment and recruiting for the Walt Disney World Resort. And it was, and still is, located from then, across from then downtown Disney, but now Disney Springs. And it was designed by architect Robert A. M. Stern. And when I saw that, I was like, I wonder why this particular website chose to include his name. So I just did a little quick Googling of Mr. Robert A. M. Stern, and he's done a bunch of architecture uh, across the world basically oh, cool but there's a lot of buildings that he's done around disney that you we might not even know um obviously i mentioned the casting building but if you're familiar with what the casting building looks like he also designed the feature animation building in burbank california which has a similar vibe to it like if you looked at them mm -hmm. one of the other you would recognize and what i'm talking about he also designed or helped design was on the team of designers for the yacht club and the boardwalk resorts here in disney world and um, he's done some other projects around the world, one of which was the Newport Bay Club Hotel. And I was like, let me just oh. click on this resort. I'm curious, you know, what Robert Stern did here. And this is in France. And I looked at it, and it's the Yacht Club. If you look at the oh. interior of these things, I'll post some photos of it on our story today, uh, cool. the day this episode releases. Yeah. It's the Yacht Club. It just, it's in France, which is so bizarre. I mean, it makes sense. He took his ideas from here to there, right. you know? And it's kind of cool. So that's the guy, Robert. They were like, Stern. we really like what you did at Disney World. Do that here. Put, or was it the other Put a beret on it. Make it French. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> that is my terrible impression of the French. I'm going all the way back to 1975, y'all. Um, Shazam! The Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village, which is an area of shop along the shores of Lake Buena Vista at Walt Disney World, it officially opened. Why is this important? Because it's the first non-park shopping at Disney World and it was promoted as a restful shopping atmosphere similar to a New England seaside village. Among the shops are the Bath Parlor, Captain's Tower, Gourmet Pantry, It's a Small World After All Shop, and two R's, which is Readin' and Writin', <laughs> and another one called Posh Pets. And uh, why this is kind of important is because it was renamed in 1977 as the Disney Village Marketplace in 1989. And then finally it became, guess, Downtown Disney Marketplace. Look at that. So this is actually where, which is like now Disney Springs. 
So this yeah. is sort of the like evolution of Disney Springs, but it started as like Buena Vista Shopping Village. As always, we have a quote to end our episode today. Uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram at That Park Life Podcast, or my personal account is at The Disney Greg. You can follow me at The Healthy Hot Mess. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to like, subscribe, head over to iTunes, leave us a review over there. They are always appreciated. If you'd like to gain some access to our weekly bonus episodes, which we make available to our patrons via Patreon, you can go ahead and go to our website, thatparklifepodcast.com, and find out more information there as well. Um, you also get some access behind the scenes to our Instagram and some other fun stuff throughout yeah. the year. Uh, don't forget to come hang out with us for our trivia night in a couple of days. Yeah, we're going to play some games. We're going to talk a little bit too, and I, I made something official for this one, a little show and tell. Beth and I are each going to bring an item of Disney flair in our house. That means something to us. We'll talk about it, and we're asking if everyone wants to, that they can bring a little something too. We'll talk about it too in between games and chat in a little bit, and we'll do that this Thursday. You can sign up on our website as well. All right, a quote from the live-action Beauty and the Beast, because we have a little Beauty and the Beast on our minds today. This comes from Beast, who said... Think of the one thing you've always wanted. Now find it in your mind's eye and feel it in your heart. And then he says, arg, and rips, and rips a hole in a picture somewhere. Yeah. That's all for us today. Thanks again to Meg for hanging out with us and letting us all know about her time as a cast member. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>